Hey guys, it's Mike, Narcoleptic Customs Podcast, Episode 9. I have the house to myself. The girls are out shopping. I'm doing laundry and going to talk to you guys for just a little bit. Today, I'm going to go over a few things. We're going to talk about how the company that owns Edelbrock bought Comp Cams in Memphis. We're going to talk about how maybe that affects um, us as far as consumers, maybe. And then I'm going to work on seeing if we can get an insider at Comp to come over or uh, to come on the podcast and see if we can uh, maybe get some insight on some of the changes. Now, that just happened this week. So hopefully by then we'll have a couple updates. Uh, that'll probably come out later in the week, Thursday or Friday. I'm going to talk about the Callaway Corvette turbo setup. Um, I actually came across an article on MSN, and it was talking about six Callaway cars that are coming up for auction, and it sparked a memory. I'll go into that. Uh, and then I'm going to do basically a recap January for the resales. Um, I'll give you a, a hint. Uh, we made over $400 buying and selling stuff on eBay last month, so that helped buy a new editing computer that I'll use for all the YouTube videos. So, all right, enough of my blabbing about what we're going to do. Let's get to it. All right, guys, I want to dive right in. First conversation is going to be about the Callaway Corvettes. So I'm on MSN Autos trying to find some articles for you guys that I can go over, keep you updated on everything going on in the automotive world that I find interesting. Um, and I come across this article about six Callaway Corvettes that are coming up for auction and kind of how special they were. And they were the first six year, like it was a six year span of the Callaway Corvette and like this whole thing. I'll try and link it down below if I can find it again. But it sparked my uh, thought process, just this little spark back in the back. And it was basically that I remember reading an article and on the front of the, it said, you know, turbos aren't just for trucks. Okay. And it's got this Callaway Corvette on the cover. I can't remember the name of the magazine or I'd buy it because that magazine, and I'm telling you, I was like, probably 10 or 12. So this is 25, 28 years ago. And I remember reading that article and that's when I became a turbo guy. I've always been turbo, always have always pushed towards that. have always wanted to build my own turbo setup. I've always done research on turbos. Turbos are what I like as power adders. Uh, nitrous, I get it. I've just never wanted to go down that route. I've never had anything with nitrous on it, never had anything supercharged. Um, of the power adders I've had, I've had turbochargers. So, and I really blame it on that article. And I, I bet I read that article, I don't know, 20 or 25 or 30 times. And it was essentially talking about how they took this, you know, I don't even remember what year model car it was, but in, in the MSN article, it was saying that these were, you know, late 80s uh, Corvettes. So I would imagine, I mean, I was born in 81. So I would think these are probably 87, 88, 89 Corvettes in this magazine. So, you know, from then I've taken all of that. And it was just talking about how 
you can add so much power with the turbo um, on this car. And I don't know. I don't know where I was really going with all that. But I just remember that article. So I took it one step further. I dug through pages and pages and pages of Google images, um, Google uh, articles, Google pages, everything trying to find this magazine because I was going to go on eBay and buy it. You know what I mean? Because uh, it's just funny how once you get a little older, your brain works like that. How you're like, oh man, I'd like to have something from when I was a kid. That's why I think the eBay resale stuff works so well for me is because I'm coming up in that age of, um, you know, I'm top end of the millennium, millennial age. So a lot of us are now getting to where we have expendable income and things like that. So anyways, stuff from your childhood is important. Obviously, car guy, I'd love to have that article if I can find it. So pages and pages, I probably have two or three hours worth of searching, um, and then I thought, well, I'll message Callaway Cars. So I messaged them through my uh, email. I'm like, hey, I, I said, I can't give you much info, but here's what I've got. And I just imagine the people at Callaway getting an email from some random dude that's like, hey, listen, when I was 12, I read an article in, your ma- in a magazine about your cars. And I just, I can only imagine that they went, who the heck is this dude? But I got an email back and I'm telling you, it was within like three hours. So I messaged, I'm going to pull it up right now. Um, but I, I messaged him. I'm like, Hey, I know I can't help in any way, uh, give you any direction, but is there a way that you can help me find this? So here I said, uh, I host a podcast. We're putting together a segment um, on early memories of magazine articles. Um, I said, I remember reading this article 15 to 20 times in the early to mid nineties and the Callaway Corvette was the topic. Um, basically the article's named turbos aren't for trucks or turbos aren't just for trucks anymore. Something like that. Uh, and a, oh shoot, I just closed it. Reeves Callaway, whoever that is. I like to think that maybe that's somebody special at Callaway. <laughs> um, Reeves Callaway at Callaway Cars emails me back and says, sorry, I looked and can't find uh, the article in uh, in our files either. Good luck. So that's really cool. And I sent that at 2.46 on the 4th of February. And on the 4th of February at 5.35, they sent this back. So I like to think that that person got the email and was like, oh, that's kind of a neat email. And they ran over real quick and, and tried to search through some of their stuff. So I'm going to dig a little bit more. But I would love to hear, and I think I'm going to put it in future uh, podcasts with uh, when I interview folks about kind of what that early memory is that drives them towards, you know, something specific that, that they're really, really into. So I say all that to say this, stack those magazines up somewhere. I've got a stack of probably 200 in the uh, in the shop right now that are just in boxes and, uh, and on the shelf. But, you know, there'll be a time in the future when like kids won't know what magazines are and you'll be able to flip to it. And we'll eventually put a s- little sitting area out there in the shop and people can flip through those magazines. So anyways, I want to say thanks to Callaway Corvette for, uh, for sending the, the email back. That was really cool. And if I can ever find the article, I'm going to buy two of them and I'm going to send him, send them uh, one of the magazines. So, all right, let's move on.
All right, guys, let's talk about probably one of the biggest acquisitions um, that will affect us in the um, small car modification world. Um, the company that owns Edelbrock, which you know them is they do everything, everything. They, you know, fuel injection, heads, intakes, all that kind of stuff, a huge performance company. The company that bought them, or that owns them, not bought them, that owns them, purchased Comp Performance Group. And it's really weird to think like why a huge company like that would want all these, but the company's name is Industrial Opportunity Partners. So it's not even a super cool name, like we're badasses, LLC or anything. It says they're an operations focused private equity firm. So I don't know what that means. Whenever I think of private equity firm, I always think, okay, that means somebody's going to go in, they're going to increase efficiency, fire a bunch of people, and it's just going to become a big uh, you know, number to them. They're not going to have that, you know, small, that company feel, the you know, people you can talk to, all that kind of stuff. So hopefully we can have Mick on um, later in the week. I've got to figure out how to record um, with phone calls the anchor app i can't figure out how to do that yet and i'm not driving to northeast arkansas to interview him i uh, i don't care about him that much so well i mean that sounded bad <laughs> but we'll figure it out i'd like to get his take on how everything is going to change um what he feels like some of the changes coming and what that'll mean for like guys like you and me that are buying parts, like will parts be less expensive? Are parts gonna go up? Um, is tech gonna, you know, are they gonna close some of the tech lines and it'll turn into more of a, you know, summit or JEGS type situation where you really don't have a ton of tech, um, uh, a ton of tech people, uh, you have more of order takers. So it'll be interesting. But on the other side of that too, they can also make it better because then they can offer uh, combos between the two companies that may work better than like just Edelbrock purchasing on the side. Um, but th the thing is like comp already cuts about 95% of the camshafts that are in the market. So with them already doing that and cutting cams for many, many, many other vendors, um, I wonder how that will affect the other vendors. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really interested. I'm going to dig a little more on this. Basically, what they're going to do is they bought it. They're leaving everybody that is at camp, at comp. They're leaving them in, in their roles. It'll basically be business as usual while they look at the financials and look at the business. Um, and then what they can do from there to... Uh, uh, increase efficiency and I'm sure make more money, which is what the obvious goal of uh, generally when companies buy out like that, they're not buying out so they can keep paying the old owner the same or the same or more money um, just because of the goodness of their hearts. I mean, it's made to take and uh, collaborate between companies and save money. And, you know, hopefully we'll see some of that transfer on to us <laughs> as consumers. But the comp performance group, 
Uh, it basically is comp cams, TCI, which is uh, a transmission setup. You know, they do converters, they do shift kits, they do full builds on transmissions um, fast, which is uh, fuel injection and uh, all of the extra stuff that goes along with, with that. Uh, RHS, which is a, a cylinder head division, and then Zex Nitrous. Uh, they own something else. I, I don't know. But it, th that stuff's not as prevalent as what the those four main ones are. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with those guys. Um, I'm trying to read, I mean, this article that I clicked on here, trying to get the name of the company that purchased them uh, is really rather short. And I don't want to have to have you guys listen while I'm searching through all of this stuff here. So actually perfect timing. The dryer just went off. So until I have more info, that's what you guys are going to get. How about that? I'm sure you don't like that, but it is what it is. <laughs> All right, guys, let's talk eBay and Facebook Marketplace reselling which to some folks is not a great conversation, but I'll tell you this, I enjoy it because it's paid for a ton of stuff and I didn't have to pull that money from the house money, which to me is always important. If I'm gonna do something that I want to do, my brain works in a way that I don't want the house to have to pay for it. I don't wanna put it on house credit cards, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to take that money from my family to do something for me. Okay. And I'm talking about like car parts or rallies or like if I want a better laptop to edit on, I don't want the house to have to pay for that because the house isn't making money on that. Now the house pays the shop payment because when I work through projects in the shop, I take that money and I put it in house stuff. So the shop is a, is a weird <laughs> conundrum to me because we don't turn enough business right now because we don't work out there enough. We haven't had the opportunity to work out there enough to turn projects fast enough to get ahead of the shop payment. So right now we're kind of at this stalemate. So to help with that, and you know, a lot of times you can go, you can run to Goodwill, you can run to Helping Hands, you can run to whatever shop you can watch, Facebook Marketplace. So you spend 10 or 15 minutes, you buy something. Well, you can't really spend 10 or 15 minutes in the shop because you can't just walk out there real quick, grab something and I don't know, install the, like last night I installed the uh, emergency brake cable on the Grand Wagoneer we're working on. So you can't do that every time. Like if I'm at work and I've got to run an errand or I'm gonna go to lunch or something like that, it's hard to come home for lunch change into my shop clothes, get in the shop for 20 minutes, come back in, shower, back into my work clothes, back to work. It doesn't do anything. So I can run, grab something from Helping Hands and throw it up on eBay that night and hopefully make 20 or 30 bucks when it sells. So I'm gonna dive into that a little bit. Um, my main goals for reselling is to pay off consumer debt, essentially. So I don't have much on credit cards, but I do have some. Um, I do have a car that I purchased. Uh, well, the wife and I purchased it, but it's for me to drive back and forth to work. And it's a little $200 payment. It's about five grand. I, I don't want to have that payment anymore. Okay. 
because right now that payment gets in the way of me doing more fun stuff. So that's why the reselling is becoming more and more and more. Also, I want to be able to buy stuff and not it not have to come out of the house. It not have like the the laptop I bought. I needed one. I needed one that's dedicated only to editing YouTube videos. So I bought one because I had sold a bunch of stuff, had a couple hundred dollars or a few hundred dollars, and I bought one. And it's helped tremendously because it will be faster than my old computer that I was editing on, which will help. Okay. So I've got one or two upgrades. I got to upgrade some RAM on it and, uh, and it'll be good to go. It's great right now. It just takes a little while for it to load the video to the computer and then to load it to YouTube. So, so it cuts down on my editing time and we'll help with that as well. So let's talk about January 2020 because that's been my best month. And so I'd like to come every month and kind of give you an update of the previous months. If I have something that just knocks it out of the park, I'll put that on a segment on here um, with you guys. So let me get the Excel sheet opened up. I, I keep an Excel sheet that has uh, my tab, my uh, columns are the item, of course, uh, what date I purchased it, the total sale amount that it brings, including shipping, the purchase amount for that one. And I'll explain that a little bit because it gets a little tricky when I buy from the bins at Goodwill. Uh, sell fees for eBay or Mercari. Uh, PayPal fees, obviously we know if that's generally when you sell to it on eBay. Uh, the, the exact shipping cost, have total cost, which is you know purchase amount through shipping combined. And then I have total profit, which is total cost or sell amount minus total cost gives me my total profit. I also have the sell site on there. That way I can keep up with where things sell the most. Um, I can run at that point, uh, pivot tables to see which place has it shorter. Um, eBay has mainly been my my go-to just because I have templates now set up for that. Um, I am working through Mercari and Poshmark to try and get that process faster and figure out what sells best on those sites. I do know that Poshmark, if you're not active and liking other people's stuff and commenting and all that kind of stuff, it really, I mean, I have not sold a single item on Poshmark um, I've sold a few on Mercari, uh, and Mercari takes care of all the shipping. The problem is, like if when you put your dims in, it just tells you, oh, it's $16 to ship it. So I sold a Starline, a 1950s Starline travel case, basically like a train hard case, a super cool little piece, uh, top went open, but I sold it for 22 bucks on Mercari, and it was $16.50 to ship it. And if I had shipped it, and there's no way around it, like that's just what it was, like you couldn't change that. Um, $16.50 to ship it, and then the fees were like 10%. So I made like $2 on something. But at the same time, I only, had, I only gave a dollar for it. So I turned $1 cost into $3 total in my pocket, and $2 profit. We'll get into that story. I'll, I'll give you exact examples on that one. Um, so I have sell site, I have sell date, and then I took that one step further and have begun determining how many days it takes to sell an item from when I purchase it. So later on, when we have several thousand items, 
I can then go back through and see that, you know, this Yakima bike rack, um, I bought it on December 20th, but I didn't list it on Facebook Marketplace until the 4th or 5th, and it sold on the 9th. So technically, I owned it for 11 days. So I'm trying to see how long I'm uh, typically keeping my money tied up and also <laughs> trying to figure out how I can get a better process to move things out. So here we go. Total profit. No, no, no. Let's start at sales because that's that's important as well. So total sales for January 2020, I sold 30 items, which is my biggest month so far that I can pull, right? So you have to do this type of uh, follow up on it because eBay only keeps 60 days worth of information. I can't figure, I'm sure if I had a store, it would work, but stores are like 20 and 30 and $40 a month. And I'm not going to spend that um, on doing this because again, this is just side stuff. I don't want it to turn into a full business. Um, that reminds me, I also typically keep 40 to 60 items listed at any time, even though I may have a hundred items at home. I just don't want to go through answering all the questions and all that kind of stuff all the time. I haven't developed a, uh, process that I can do that efficiently and still work my regular day job and work in the shop and edit videos and spend time with my family. So that's where we keep all of that information. Okay. Uh, 40 to 60 items listed and I keep all this on the spreadsheet. So let's see here. 30 items sold in January. Uh, I'm gonna do some sorting here. Uh, total profit $440.91. And again, that's after all of the fees, all of the shipping, everything. Total cost of the item. So $440 went into my pocket in the month of January, which was perfect because that's when I bought the laptop. That's when I bought all the videos, uh, or not all of it, all the microphones, all the adapters, all that kind of stuff um, to bring this podcast actually. So my reselling paid for all of that, um, plus some, obviously I actually paid a um, hundred on one of my credit cards. So that was a plus with that money. Um, the average sale days that it took to sell stuff was 21 days. But in that I have, um, I have one item that was 59 days. Yeah, uh, see so one item, 59 days, 58 days, 56 days but then also have several that were one, two, and three days. Jump in here real quick. And again, that's from when I purchased it. And what was great about that is like, if I found something super neat, like the uh, the Bushnell Tour V3 rangefinder, like I knew that was worth money when I found it in the bins, right? So I gave like a dollar for it. I took, um, I actually put $2.30 here because I was averaging out stuff in the bins. Uh, we'll go over that in a minute but sold it for 99 shipped, uh, gave $2 and 30 cents is what I factored it as uh, $10 selfie. Cause it's 10% with eBay, uh, three and 34 cents to PayPal. Uh, so, you know, 13% to eBay and PayPal, same company. Uh, it was $8 and 31 cents to ship it. And then total cost on it after everything was 2395. So I made $76 on that one item right then. So, the re and that sold little oh one day i think i said three it sold in one day so i listed it that night 
found out all, you know, got all the comps of things that had sold. It looked like it was anywhere from 80 to 120. So I figured I'd hit it right in the middle because, you know, $76 is a good fair profit for me. And uh, so we had a total of uh, six items that sold within three days of purchase. So my, my goal for the rest for February and March is to take those, I, you know, get my listings up faster. Uh, I mean, obviously it is a process when you're doing it by yourself. So I, my 10 year old, I think she's going to probably start helping me a little bit as far as maybe, um, arranging things, uh, combining, I'm going to do a lot more lot type sales, uh, as far as like, uh, I bought a lot of Paw Patrol in January and that sold really well. So I think I'll probably gather, you know, like items together and list them as a lot. That way I'm not listing one small figurine as a, um, as a single item. And it may, I may have $2 in it or a dollar in it and it sell for eight, which is still a great profit, but I don't want to take that and move it. Um, if I can take that $2 and let's say put five items together and have technically six or $8 in it and sell it for 30, but eliminate a lot of those little items instead of trying to list all that stuff again, answering questions, shipping stuff, getting it ready. All of that just takes so much more time than what I have. So again, I'm still in the learning process. I am a huge um, I always try and find better efficiencies in that, uh, in my process, you know, as far as like cleaning, picture taking, uploading, you know, and then answering questions and shipping. So, uh, we bought, you know, I now have a printer at home, which seems goofy that I just now bought one, but that way I can have everything ready. The post office picks up at our office at nine 30 in the mornings. So I can take all of my boxes, drop it in the post office, uh, in the po USPS area for him to pick up uh, that morning. And it, it doesn't take away from any time during my work schedule day, because obviously if you're at work, be at work, you know what I mean? So the first few months of reselling, it was hard to, to do both while at work because I needed the printer to print stuff. <laughs> so anyways, um, have a printer and we're just going to, we're going to keep moving forward like that. So 440 bucks. Let's see the highest profit I had. We'll start with that one. So we had the one that was $76. Um, but I also had something I saw a mountain bike. We'll talk about that later at some other point in the, um, podcasts. But if you want to follow mountain biking, follow my channel on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook at Nobby Tires to Freedom. Uh, if you're into mountain biking and uh, want to see some of the trails here in Bentonville. But I bought a Yakima bike rack because I had the intentions of putting a, a hitch on the back of the little Dodge Avenger I drive. So I thought, oh man, I'll buy this bike rack. It's one of the ones that you set the bike on top of. You know, it's really nice looking. It worked great. Um, it was $25 at Helping Hands. So I thought, oh man, I'll, I'll snag this up and I'll take it and I'll use it because that'll be great. Well, then I ended up with a better one that was smaller um, at, at Goodwill and it was $10. So I thought, well, since I have the Yakima, I'll clean it up really good and I'll list it. So I did, I listed it, it lasted, uh, lasted 
11 days in my ownership. Like I said earlier in the story, four days, but I made $95 on that. I gave 25 for it. I sold it for 120. And again, that was a fair price. Some of them had sold for 150. Uh, I jumped on eBay. Some of them had sold for 70 plus $40 worth of shipping. Uh, they were kind of all over the place on Facebook Marketplace. Um, a lady was in town from Kansas and actually purchased it. So it worked out great. Her and her boyfriend ride mountain bikes. So they're going to use it. They got a good deal. I obviously got a good deal, but it was about seeing that and knowing the potential instead of taking that, thinking, oh man, $25 is way too much because typically the stuff I buy, uh, actually we'll run that here in a minute. We'll see what the average purchase price of items that I have. Um, and then, uh, see, so we have the $95 as the obviously number one profit. Uh, the second one is the range finder at $76 on it. And then we drop from there of the 30, uh, we dropped to 36.58. And that was on a Paw Patrol lot that I did. I gathered all of the Paw Patrols that were this pirate theme Paw Patrol. I don't know. I don't get it, but it was all the characters um, in the mix. And I, I factored it at $2.50 uh, in my purchase of the total lot that day, which was like $18 or something like that. So $2.50 on it. I sold it for $48.98 shipped. Uh, total cost for everything, shipping fees, all that stuff is $12.40. So we made $36.58 on it. Uh, that was a big win. Plus, I still have all of the other Paw Patrol stuff that I bought that day. So even if you took out the 12 or 18 dollars i don't remember what i spent that day it's in here somewhere but if i if you took all that i'm still way ahead so that's what really gets my mind going and that's what's a lot of fun about this kind of stuff is to be able to see that and uh, and realize it so i purchased all that stuff at the goodwill bins um purchased them on 1221 and sold it on one two it was literally listed for about four days on uh, on ebay so I listed it after Christmas just because we had so much stuff going on. I couldn't get into it. Uh, all right. What else we got here? So we got that's profits. Let's talk about the lowest end profit that I made. Uh, three items there. Uh, one, I made a dollar sixty-eight. And here's what's crazy. I am good friends, obviously, from our charity work with the uh, Northwest Arkansas Children's Shelter. They have a thrift shop in Rogers. So uh, the... The manager there knows I'm a huge Hot Wheels guy, uh, huge car guy. And so I went in and I was like, hey, man, we I was with the wife and kids. Went in and I was like, hey, you got any, you know, they have big bins of toys in the back. And I said, hey, do you have any uh, Hot Wheels in any of the bins out back? He's like, actually, we do. We just got a, a, a bunch of stuff. I've been kind of gathering them in a tote, hoping you would come in. So I haven't put them out. So I go in the back and I buy, I don't know. 20 something dollars worth of super cool Hot Wheels. It's, you know, a lot of them are for me personally. Um, and I think I ended up with five or six that I, I had planned to sell. And the thing about Hot Wheels, unless it's something that's very specific, you have to think how many millions of those are made. So Hot Wheels are a good investment for some folks. I, I like truck Hot Wheels. Um, but this one item I purchased uh, was a Kiss, the, the band Kiss. It was a car of their, like some Kiss branded Johnny Lightning, I don't know, some kind of crazy thing. 
And I thought, man, I'll just throw it up real quick. Um, I'll make shipping super cheap and I'll let someone else that may need this in their collection because it was not like a true Hot Wheels Hot Wheels um, in the Hot Wheels packaging and things like that. It was a Racing Champions, I think. Yeah, not Johnny Lightning, Racing Champions. Uh, Kiss, number three, all this kind of stuff, right? So I take it, um, I list it on there. I have it for like $9.99 shipped. You know, I open up to offers because I was getting no action on it because I bought it eleven sixteen, sold it on one two. So I mean, I had it 47 days, which is a really long time. Uh, but I ended up taking an offer on it to with shipping at $7.98. The great thing about Hot Wheels stuff is it's so lightweight that you can almost use like, or the, I did use the parcel, uh, parcel post or something like that with USPS. It's some parcel thing, ground. I'm always putting the thing in the listing that it's gonna be ground shipping. So it was a dollar, sold it for $7.98, 80 cents worth of eBay fees, 54 cents worth of PayPal fees, which is a freaking joke. And then uh, the shipping cost was $3.96. So my total cost in it was $6.30. I make $1.68, have it 47 days. That is a horrible, horrible return on investment. So basically in the month of January, we went from $1.68 in profit to $95 in profit. So it was a huge month. Um, I look forward to bringing this to you guys uh, as we come up with stuff. If you have any questions, please reach out. And, uh, and I'll, I'll work to answer them. All right, on to the next one. All right, guys, thank you for listening. If you're still here, we certainly appreciate it. I know that was a, uh, a lot of information about reselling. If you have any questions, you can find us everywhere. We are on Facebook under Narcoleptic Customs. Instagram, Narcoleptic Customs, TikTok, Narcoleptic Customs, or on the podcast right here. Podcast is uh, everywhere. It's iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Spotify. You can also find us on the Anchor app and uh, and listen that way. So find us on YouTube, I guess. Dang, I, didn't even for, I forgot all about that one. So we're everywhere. Uh, we try and stay updated on those. I look through them at least a couple times a day to make sure I'm not missing anybody. So just want to say thanks again. Y'all have a great day. We appreciate it.